Hey, I'm Matthew Ma. Welcome to the Truth About Real Estate podcast. And today we're talking with Victor Yurachek of Sell Your Gainesville Home Today. He flips all types of properties, including single-family home, residence, townhomes, condos, and mobile homes. Excited to talk to you, Victor. Welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hey, so, you know, just talking to you at first, and, you know, you've been doing real estate for a couple of years now. I want to talk about that and how you got into real estate, how you went from wholesaling to flipping over 50 homes in the last three years. That is quite a bit of achievement. And, you know, from my background, that takes a lot of work to make it happen. So first off, like, how did you even get started into real estate? Where did you come from? And like, why real estate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for sure. So uh, before before this, I was doing a corporate job, uh, kind of the nine to five. I was, you know, working nine to five, working 40 hours a week. I was in healthcare kind of, uh, corporate, you know, home health administrator, office manager type thing, just helping out. Uh, just realized like, Hey, this isn't, isn't for me. So I wanted to get into real estate. And then at the time I didn't really have a lot of money. So I was like, okay, well, I want to get into real estate. How do I get started for either cheap or with like little to no money? That's how I got into wholesaling and then went from there. Um, so that's, that's pretty much the story. I'm happy to get into the details, but um, I just always was interested in real estate. You know, it's, it's such a huge wealth building tool. And I read uh, like Rich Dad Poor Dad and talked about like real estate and rentals and cash flow. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I played the, the you know, Rich Dad cash flow board game. It's like, yeah, I, you know, I want to get into this. I want to do this. And I always had the bug and I just, I finally made the leap and, you know, here we are. Isn't it hard to make the first leap when you think about like three years ago, when you first made the leap, you know, like that transition is kind of scary it takes a lot of effort and guts and like mm-hmm. even if you're doing a full-time job and you're going to do build up the real estate side as well and then convert that to full-time like why uh, why did you go into wholesaling first why not become an agent or investor like why wholesaling part of it yeah so, so i um so i want to get into real estate and i thought you know i'm happy to talk about my first flip i thought for like the fixes like yeah, you have to have money it's like okay i don't have a lot of money of maybe a couple thousand in the bank um, and I was like, okay, I want to get into real estate. So I got connected to a friend of a friend and he was doing wholesaling and like he had a mentorship and basically like I couldn't afford the mentorship. But he's like, Hey, I have this position open for uh, a cold caller. Like, you know, whatever you bring in, I'll give you a percentage of it. I'm like, okay, great. And you know, he'll teach me everything. And that's what happened. So it didn't even dawn on me like, Hey, become a real estate agent first or anything like that. Like I just knew like, Hey, this guy, I can learn as much as I want to learn as much as I can. He taught me wholesaling. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. And then I went from wholesaling to flipping, but I, yeah, it didn't even, it didn't even, you know, dawn on me like, Hey, become a real estate agent first. Nice. Yeah. And I think, you know, wholesaling is definitely a great way to learn and really dive into it deep. Mm-hmm. Like when you started doing wholesaling, like how long did you do wholesaling for? And like, what was the learning process to that? And what made you switch over to, um, flipping? Yeah. So I, I've been uh, full-time for three years. So I started in June roughly of 2018. So June 2018, like I really started like, hey, yes, I'm serious about this. Yes, I want to get started. I closed my first one at the October 31st. So it's Halloween 2018. So it took me like five months to get my first deal. I like get under contract, close it. So it took a while. Um, that's that's good for your listeners to know. Like, it's not an overnight process. Like, it does take time. There's a huge learning curve because I didn't know. What, first, all, I didn't know what wholesaling was before I got into it. Then I, you know, I barely didn't know anything. You know, so <laughs> so you know, I had to learn learn the long way, learn the hard way. So yeah, so just you know, got into wholesaling, and then I did two wholesale deals. I made three thousand on the first one and thirty five hundred on the second one. 
And I was like, hey, you know, it got got me momentum. It got me some traction. Um, those are, you know, decent sized checks, especially for me at the time. Like, okay, cool. There's something here. I'm not just, you know, um, there's something here. I'm not just, you know, spitting in the wind, so to speak. So it's like, okay, cool. And then the third deal, I was going to wholesale that one as well, but I, I couldn't find a buyer. Like I couldn't find a cash buyer. It's not like it is nowadays where like if something's even half decent, you you put it out there, people are going to jump on it and you're going to get multiple offers. Like it wasn't like that back in 2018. It was still hot in a seller's market, but not that much. And um, yeah, I just couldn't find a buyer for the for this number three. And I was like, this is a great deal. I don't know why everyone, what everyone's missing. You know, I don't know why everyone um, doesn't want to do it. There was just some hesitation or something. And back then, especially because I'm in Gainesville, Florida now, people were looking for home runs. Like they want to make 50,000 plus profit, like net profit yeah. on each flip. So they're like looking for home runs. I was like, you know, this, this is a great deal, but you know, don't need to worry about it, all that stuff. So uh, what I ended up doing, so it's like, this is a great deal. I have uh, money, you know, I have someone, I have a seller on the line who wants to sell the place. I don't want to let them down. So I found what's called like a money partner. So they put up the money to buy it, to fix it up, to sell it. I found the deal, obviously. I would, you know, help run the deal and I'd help sell the deal. So I'd be like the boots on the ground, equity managing, everything like that. Uh, the person making it happen. And then we would split the profit. And that's what we did. So I didn't put any money into my first deal and we split the profit. We made a little under 30K and then we split that profit. And um, yeah, the rest is history. Then I did another deal, another deal, another deal. I realized, hey, I like flipping more than wholesaling. Wholesaling, like you're kind of being a matchmaker, if that makes sense. Um, so you find a deal. Um, and then you have to find someone to buy it. And with how I think if like, if I think it's a deal, it's a deal, you know, I, I trust my numbers and I, I don't need anyone else to verify because the cash buyers always want a deal too. cash buyers and cash investors want a deal too. So they kind of beat you up. And I, I didn't like that process. So like, let me just take down this deal myself and I'll, I'll make the profit. And that makes sense too, because for example, when you're first starting and you're starting to real estate and let's say we start with no money, that's a great way to get in because you're learning the part of, okay, I need to do outbound prospecting. I need to call. I need to find mm-hmm. sellers. I need to find buyers. I need to build a database. I need to build a marketing funnel. I need to get yeah. this going. And as you're doing that, it, like you said, it takes time and you're learning the process, learning the lingo, you're learning the language to uh, talk to clientele and then, you know, making, running the numbers to make the deal work. And yeah, like you mentioned too, um, on the buying end, of course, investors want a deal. They want to make 50 to 150K minimum because they're taking risk and time to flip a property. But for you, the advantage is you got used to it. You got to the skill sets and then you found the properties yourself. You say, why don't I take this down myself? Why am I giving this additional uh, equity away when I can just take it down myself and start building that end of it? And then in, in a sense, you're actually taking the wholesaling part internally and you're taking that into flipping and you're building the whole team to do everything now. That's even That's better, cool. right? That's pretty much it. No, that's pretty much it. And yeah, I would I would wholesale a deal, and then like the the flipper would make twenty, thirty, forty thousand. I'm like, well, you know, why not? Why not me? Like, why not? You know. And then I found out I like the flipping more. You know, so that's why I kind of stuck around with it. And I've tried a lot of stuff. I've tried just like the wholesaling. I've tried long term rentals, short term rentals, like all these different things, like seller finance. I just like the flipping the most. Like you're in, you're out. You know, big check, move on. You can go on to the next deal. Um, so. So when you talk about flipping, for example, when was your first home that you flipped and like, what did you learn from it? Mm-hmm. So the first one, it actually happened pretty quick. Um, so the first deal was like October, 2018. So the first flip was like November, December, 2018. So it happened pretty quick. I was, I was going out there marketing, getting deals and there was a deal I just couldn't sell and just turned it into a flip. So like in that process of flipping that property, 
what were you seeing differently from like, for example, you, you couldn't find a buyer to buy that property and yeah. you know, you saw the potential in it. What, when you bought it, what did you guys do to the house? And like, um, did it, the results actually come out to your numbers that you looked at? Yeah. So, so basically for that one, getting to the numbers, so we bought it for one Oh five, we put in like 28,000 repairs and then we sold it. Uh, initially I think we had it listed for 200 and then it dropped and it dropped and we eventually sold it for 170. Uh, but we did like the basic renovations. So we did flooring, we did paint, we did a new kitchen. Uh, I think it needed new HVAC. So we did that stuff. And that's pretty much it. So mostly cosmetic, a couple mechanical things, but nothing nothing too crazy. We didn't change layout. We didn't, you know, cut down walls, anything like that. Um, so just kept it pretty simple. Uh, there were some mis- mistakes we made and some things we missed uh, or missed or just, you know, it's part of the learning process, so to speak. So um I can think we could have, you know, if we, if I were to go back, we could have gotten close to that 200, but uh, we kind of made some mistakes, but you know, we sold and made a profit. So you can't be mad at that. And then, you know, you do your first deal and you learn and you move on to the next one. You move on to the next one with more experience and you do better and you do it faster and you get, you know, better profits. And you know, it's just a learning process. I see uh, real estate and flipping and wholesaling, all those things as a skill. So you just get better over time if you're open to open and willing to learn. Thanks. And let's talk about that too. For example, you, uh, you mentioned you bought it for 108? Uh, 105. Yeah. 105. And then how much you guys, how much money do you guys put into that? Uh, about 28. We put in 28. Okay, so 105, 28. So about 132 now, right? 133. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then we put 133 now. And then how long did it take you to do the flipping process? Uh, so we, we got it about November and I think we sold it like January, February. So like mm-hmm. we were in and out four months. It was about a six to eight week rehab process. Okay. And then you guys have can't. Within that 28K, are you guys counting carrying costs uh, for that as well? This, uh, with the money partner, so uh, she actually brought cash to the table. So it wasn't hard okay. money or anything. It was like it was just pure cash. So holding okay. costs would have been like insurance and like you know property taxes, which is that much. Okay. So that's pretty good. And then after that, you sold for 175. Do you guys sell it directly to another buyer or did you guys work with agents to sell it? So we listed it. We listed it with like a flat fee provider. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of, you know, listing with the agent, you know, getting charged 3%, we listed for a flat fee and that was like 150 bucks or 200 bucks, which wasn't bad. Okay. That's um, yeah. yeah. So not, not, uh, two. So we saved 3% there and then, uh, there was a buyer's agent. So they got, you know, they got the 3%. Okay. Nice. And then, yeah, you sell for that. And then after that, you got the profit. And then you think about after that fact, since it's a short term part of it, then you're paying taxes on that part too. So you mentioned, for example, you made like $28,000 profit, right? That's about right, yeah. And then you, you had to pay taxes on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we split the profit, right? So all the 28000 yeah. didn't go to me. So that's part of the yeah. money partner model like you. you know, yeah. um, On that one, you know, full disclosure, I got a third, she got two thirds. So I mm-hmm. made about yeah. nine, 10 grand. But, you know, it's bigger than the check that I saw before, even with taxes, like the wholesale yeah. is three, three and a half and, you know, 10 grand. So it really just you know catapulted me into something bigger that's very true and you're building your momentum up and you're getting the experience too and then did you have your own crew already or did she have a crew no we just, guys- we just kind of figured it out <laughs> we're like oh we need we need an hvac person and we figure it out oh we need this so we need that and we just f- figured it out best we could and then over time that's the other thing uh, so definitely your first deal is your hardest whether it's a flip or whatever and it becomes easier and easier and that's one of the things that does become easier like your contractors like you might hire five people on your first round you find out like you know three of them were good two of them were not so good so now next time for your next flip or next deal you have like three great people and then like two people you need to fill in in terms of slots so it just becomes easier that way and then 
that deal went well. So I did more deals with the money partner. Now I'm doing my own deals. Um, so it just opens it up. So your first deal is your hardest. And I think you alluded to this earlier, but it does get easier the more you do it. Yeah, you're definitely right. It gets easier because yeah, the number one part of you know, building is like getting the experience, getting the money and then building the team. And as you yeah. grow, you get, the team gets better and better. You already know what to do. At some point, they already understand exactly what you want every single time and they can just walk mm -hmm. in, run your numbers. It makes sense pull the trigger, do the deal, right? Exactly. So the fun part of it now is like, okay, this is a whole business model, really understanding that you're building an operations team, a finance in a sense, you know, money coming in, right? And then building the project management. Okay, from start to finish, how do you manage this kind of property, this kind of project, timelines and everything? And you start seeing what's all the pros and some cons. Of course, things come in like during COVID, uh, permitting issues, right? Yeah. Material issues, timing, delays, um, inspection and other stuff that goes through the process. It's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. So when you think about that and let's take it the opposite side, if you are doing wholesaling, right? You can, and you don't have any liability in a sense, you're just wholesaling deals throughout. And during the whole time period of two months, how many calls could you have made? How many deals could you have put through? Would that have made more than 9,000? Probably so. But the other part of it is that if you continue to do the flipping side, you're only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger as you get more experience and you your numbers will get bigger drastically versus the wholesales you know pretty much a kind of like x amount per time calls conversion mm -hmm. ratio right and you make this much money you make good money you don't have to go physically out there you don't need to manage operations vendors and everything else and risk yeah but it's also depending upon what do you want to do in your life right do you want to be calling and wholesaling or do you want to be fixing and flipping build, building beautiful homes things mm -hmm. like that well, that, that last point is the most important as I see it where like I, I really enjoy the flipping a lot more. So I don't think I would have gone to this volume or gone to this level of success if I was wholesaling because, you know, yeah. part of me just didn't enjoy the wholesaling. And I haven't honestly I haven't wholesaled any deals since 2018. So I've only just been doing the flipping and long term rentals and all this other stuff. So there's one way to look at like just by the numbers on paper. There's a totally different reality. Like once you get out there. You realize like, hey, I actually don't like this wholesaling too much. And yeah. I don't think I would have, you know, worked as hard or, you know, put in as many hours doing that versus flipping. So th there's that aspect to it as well. Um, so that's why I just plan to, you know, continue to do deals, more deals, bigger deals and, and better deals is the plan. Yeah, and I completely agree to you too. This comes back to being passionate about something. You can be you can do something. Yeah, you can do it. But at the same point, you're going to kind of get sick of it. It's not like you're passionate about it. But when you're passionate, you'll drive all your energy to it. And it'll just become so successful because you're focusing on that one thing. And you're super passionate about it. You wake up every morning. It's not work. It's fun, right? Mm -hmm. And there's yeah. learning things, of course. There's headache, of course. Everything has headache. But you'll have fun doing it. And you'll learn from it. And you go, okay, I already see the headache of the future. It's not bad. I'm going to handle it for the next project. Easy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's true too. Like the headaches, it just becomes, how do I explain? Like it's, it becomes less of a headache. Like it still happens, but it, it just affects you less. So something yeah. that used to happen that used to, you know, kind of freak us out. It's like, what if a contractor doesn't show up or what if uh, the contractor doesn't get done on time? And like the first time it happens, you're like, oh, this sucks. And then you realize like you still work through it. Maybe things get delayed. If you buy correctly, like you're still going to make a profit, which is awesome, which is, you know, very exciting. Um, and then you realize like, you know, it happens the seventh time or 10th time and hopefully it's happening less and less, but like it happens more in the future and it's like, well, it's, you know, it's not that big of a deal. You just like, there are headaches, but it's less and less of a headache. 
Yeah, and I think it comes down to, yeah, when you're learning, you're learning to talk with these people, these different kind of vendors and timing and understanding where their thought process is, how they see things and mm -hmm. how you work with it. Like I did development projects too, and cool. it, it takes a lot of work, right? From the start to finish, I just, in the last year, I built a brand new home from start to finish, basically GC'd it with another GC, right? And you I go see. through that process, you're like, okay, you see this, who goes first, why they go first, what makes sense? If you go first, if you go opposite way based on timing, here's what happens after the fact. And you could have prevented it, but you would have cost X more time. Was it worth it? Sometimes, nah, you, just, you can just skip ahead, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a balance too, because one is price, price and time balance. Okay, you want a better price, then you got to suffer the time, right? And it, you try to balance it out. You want good quality workers. Well, you know they're busy. You know there's COVID. You know there's not workers. You know materials has issues. And also even contractors, they have their own project management things too. They're not 100% like corporate project manager who can manage everything on a, a dot, right? Even they have issues. Yeah. One is, okay, well, I think I can just wait two weeks from now, get the materials. Oh, two weeks comes by. Oh, the materials are not available. COVID's shot up. Price went up. They're not available. Now you got to delay. What do you do? You got to work around it, right? Mm -hmm. no, exactly. Yeah. Once you're in it, you just, you always find a workaround. Uh, you know, yeah. Or something else out. And then you start figuring out too, okay, well, this vendor, he's kind of lying. He's kind of delaying. He's going for a bigger project, take, taking your money and running away. Well, mm -hmm. next time comes around, you don't need to work with them at all, right? You can say, hey, I'm building a smart team. You know, I'm going to give a lot of business. Do you want my business or not? And how do we work together, right? To make it work for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially yeah. with contractors. I think the biggest thing is just finding a good fit versus like trying to, like, you're not trying to take a bad contractor and turn them into a good contractor. Like you're trying to find a good contractor and, and keep them around and you know, maybe turn them into a great contractor just because like you're giving them so much volume and giving them so much business. So that's, that's how I see it. So like if someone's not a good fit, like don't force it. There's a lot of, you know, workers out there. I know there's a labor shortage and all that things, but there's still like a lot of electricians out there, a lot of plumbers, a lot of roofers. So you don't have to force it with one specific person. And I think another thing that I learned throughout time is that vetting your vendors really well, finding referrals, trusted people you work with. Because, for example, you can tell one person the same exact thing to five different people and the prices will be all over the board. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to understand why they're over the board and um, how do you resolve that? And how do you find the real number that makes sense to, yeah. to everyone? And what are you, where are they seeing that you're not seeing? Some people will skim over things, you know, and like, mm -hmm. okay, the price is cheaper because I skimmed over all this stuff. But the experts who be like, okay, it costs more because I'm doing X amount of work that you can't see behind the walls. Mm -hmm. so that's a yeah, fun that's, part of learning. That's the other thing. Yeah. Because if you like, what's really helped me with that is like breaking it down line item by line item, especially if like it's a contractor, like, hey, I'm going to do this, 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 this versus like, hey, okay, I want you to renovate this house. Okay. It's 80,000. Oh, it's 40,000. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, what, what is included in that? What are you going to do with that? And sometimes like contractors don't want to disclose that. And that's, that's a red flag for sure. But if you know, like, okay, 5,000 for kitchen, you know, 10,000 for flooring, break it down. Then you know, if you're in the right ballpark. And then part of that is just, it's just experience. Like you get into it, you learn uh, for that first flip I mentioned, like we got into it, we learned, we didn't know what everything costs. We just had a rough idea. And then we learned like, okay, we were high on this. We were low on this. And then you adjust and you improve. And then for the next one, you know, you adjust and you improve. And then for the next one, you adjust and improve. And it just continues to go like that. Um, so that's how I look at that as well. It makes sense too. And like, I think for people out there, there's no perfect flip. No house is 100% yeah. perfect. And right. even contractors say this too. Like I have one developer friend. He goes, I only do new houses because I know from the ground up exactly what I did. But when I take a reconstruction house, I don't know what the last 10, 100 people did behind the walls. They could have done shoddy mm -hmm. work. And then you're, I got to go fix it. And you're going to blame me. The cost went up because it's my fault that they didn't do the work right. Mm -hmm. 
So that's funny. I'm like, okay, that makes total sense. And I see why you do the brand new development homes because you have fun doing it. It looks great. It's perfect because you built it perfectly from, the, from nothing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah sometimes you open a wall, you're like, whoa. It's different. Yeah. You get, you get age and character in older houses too. And I mean, you're right. You're, I mean, they're not perfect. Um, you know, older houses are obviously a little bit cheaper. Um, they're a little more affordable, let's say, but yeah, if you're going to buy an older house, like there are going to be issues and there are going to be things you have to fix. Like if you want a new house, buy a new house. Um, but you do, you don't get that same character, you know, age or history with an old, you know, the brand new build. Yeah. Building those, um, like for example, Spanish modern homes mm-hmm. and those kind of home, like Eichler homes, they're a lot of fun because even though they're harder to build sometimes, you can see the character and structure and the age and you can take elements from it and keep it and modernize it. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it from the outside, like, oh, it looks like a normal home. Inside, like, whoa, what happened here? It looks like super top notch, you know? Mm-hmm. You still have a character with it and you can feel like, like the original floors, for example, with the each, and you modernize the color. <coughs> so That's it, really cool. It becomes a lot of becomes a lot of fun and people want to buy into that too like hey i want a spanish modern home i want a eichler home that's modernized to eichler style still in today's age mm-hmm. so those are kind of cool developments uh, you can see happens so you know when you're doing flipping what's some of the advice you see and what would you give advice to people so they don't start out and flop a home yeah um so i think the biggest thing is just you know just getting started um so just you know just do your first one again and that's the other thing as a part of that kind of a sub sub part of that like the biggest concern with uh with newbies is like what if it takes longer than i expect what if i go over budget and then it's typically those two things and almost every project have it's always almost always delayed and it's almost always over budget Um, that's just that's just how it is that's just nature of the beast so just realize like yes it's going to happen the biggest thing is margin of error like know that you have a good profit buffer you know let's say you make you're intending to make 30k net profit and then you don't sell it for as much as you want. So it gets chipped away. You have higher repair costs that gets chipped away. You get a delay that's chipped away. And that 30K becomes 20K. That's that's still a decent profit. You know, that's still a decent profit to go into your next deal. So just make sure you have that margin of error and get started. And just to echo what you said, like just realize your first deal isn't going to be perfect. Um, even neither like my 27th deal this year or 26th deal this year isn't perfect. And you just, you know, just work your way through it and you know, just make it happen. Uh, so that's probably the biggest advice. I, I was recommended by a mentor, like, "Hey, you should get started." And he told me this like five, six years ago, and I should have. Uh, who knows where I would have been today, you know? And and I got started three years. And it, it's the other thing with this investing or real estate. It's it's exponential growth if you do it correctly. It's not linear. Most people think of it as linear. So I'll do like two, and then four, and then six, and then eight. And for how I saw it, it was we, I did two, and then eight, and then twenty, and then thirty. You know, so yeah. it is that you know sharper. Uh, increase so um, just you know just get started and i think part of it too is like even for example let's say your first one hopefully even breaks even you just paid for experience you gained Mm -hmm. so much experience and you paid for it and you made zero profit but you actually gained all that experience without doing that project you Mm -hmm. had nothing you didn't even start yet you know so it's worth it to invest try not to lose money of course no one wants to lose any money but if you can break even or make a lot of money hopefully uh which is the plan but if you Mm -hmm. do that you gained a good solid balance and that definitely propels you to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. And you learn and you figure out your crew, you figure out the projects, you figure out everything. And you even see, do you even like it? After the first project, did you even like it? Was it fun for you? Did you go all, go through all the headache to stress you out? Or was it something you can manage, right? Because managing part of it too is like, is your personality type able to manage these kind of stresses based on other people's factors and their decisions to choose to delay you or help you, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I like that. I like that perspective too. And I think just knowing up front, like, yes, some of these things are going to happen and just being mentally prepared for it just makes it easier. Like if it's a true surprise and it's coming out of left field you know, and it smacks you in the face, like that's one thing. But if you know like, hey, things get might, might get delayed, okay, it gets delayed. Well, it's, it's not that big of a deal. So you just kind of work through it. But that's a good point. I've had people, you know, do their first flip and they're like, no, no this is not for me. But I'd say the vast majority, honestly, they do their first one. They're like, okay, cool. Time for number two, time for number three. And they really just open it up from there. Yeah, I think after doing so many so far in the last 14 years, I did cut a couple of them. Um, yes. It's been a lot of fun to build it out because you see from a full development, like, okay, going from architectural design, uh, drawings in a couple weeks to permitting to this, uh, structural design and then even to all the engineering stuff and like knocking out a building pretty much. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it gets a lot of fun. You can see it now when it's finished, you're like, wow, I built this from paper to reality and it, yeah. it looks so good and you're like so proud of it. And, but even then, you're like, if I, Next time I can do this, this, and this differently and make it even better. But I know the cost goes higher, the time goes more. But during COVID, you do a full project. You're like, wow, this works. I know my crew now. I know who's good, who's not good, how long they say they take versus how, reality of what they really take, right? Yes. You start figuring out, okay, well, you tell me this takes uh, one day, seven days, whatever. Realistically, now, based on experience, you know that's way more work than you think it is. So you can do that way as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's part of time. managing managing people and managing a project. Like knowing just because, and that's another thing I learned too. Like it's not just like what somebody says it's going to take. If they say mm-hmm. it's three days, but it takes them a week. Well, you mm-hmm. got to you know keep a mental log of that. So next time, if they say three days, like it might be a week. Um, and yeah. that's just part of management. That's something you know you learn. And sometimes even contractors, they might not have done that big of a project or that type of house. They might not know what's behind the wall too. They might assume it yeah. based on normal standards, but like, oh, okay, well it changed, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, yeah. they're it's, it's rarely malicious it's rarely like hey i know it's going to take a week and i'm telling him three days just to get the job like it's rarely like that it's typically like there's surprises or they have another job or there's a inventory shortage or there's there's something going on so it's really like they, they do it on purpose to harm you yeah exactly and i think one thing i learned too throughout time is like even when you're doing materials right like, for example, in California, in our area, plants are taking four months. Some windows are taking four, three to seven months, depending on the brand. So I'm like, yeah. wow. And then you got to time that in. But even when you start day one, no contractor wants to sit down with you. Like, let's order everything today, day one. Order everything. Because there's no room to put it. It's going to get messed up. It's going to get dirty. It's going to get mm-hmm. broken. It's going to get lost. And like, okay, well, now you're trying to time materials across the board of a year. You're trying to time everything to come in on the day it needs to come in. And there's delays. That's super hard for anyone, right, to yeah. do that. And you don't have a site where you can just leave it there, sitting there, and it might get stolen too. Mm-hmm. So how do you balance that out with the work? It takes a lot of effort to project management, to project manage the whole deal. Mm-hmm. No so even for you, how do you project manage, manage 30 deals in, or 27 deals in a, one year? Like how do you manage all that work? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the biggest thing is it's not necessarily like 27 deals at a time. Like mm-hmm. right now I have about 17 going. And of the 17, uh, of the 17, so seven are under contract to sell, like okay. literally like under contract are about to close, like sell, you know, to a retail buyer. Um, I think two were waiting for like the tenants to move out or like waiting for the owners to move out. And then like we're only actively doing like whatever, whatever the rest is, like acting and renovating the rest. I think the other thing is it's, it's kind of like a juggling act. So um, when you're juggling, like let's say you're juggling 10 balls at a once at once, like you're not having 10 balls in your hand at that's one time you're throwing one up and then throw another one up, throw up, throw up, one up. So you maybe have one or two in your hands at once, uh, maybe. 
So it's, it's it's just how I see it. So maybe on one project, like okay, we're waiting for this to happen. So while we're waiting, you know, we can focus on other stuff. So um, that's just how I see it. And especially like once you get done with renovation, and like there's not much you do. Like maybe you'll show the place and negotiate and all that stuff, but all that's like office paperwork. So it's not that active. Um, yeah, yeah. I think the active part is really the remodeling part, the whole process yes. from start to finish remodeling. And later, as even as you keep growing, you know, you need a team to build this. You need VAs, you need later designers, you need people to get the, all the materials, for example, to shop it if they want to shop it, mm -hmm. um, to plan everything out. And like even later, project managers to help plan everything. So that way you can become stay as the leader part of it rather than doing everything. But that's over a long scale period. In the beginning, you're doing everything yourself. You're building it all up. You're working with the GC and other workers to make it all happen from start to finish. No, but yeah, exactly. I mean, you just got to get it done. So you get it done. And again, what it's sort of experience. Like you do it more and more, it just becomes easier. Good. Nowadays, I, I can certainly say that when you look at a home from the outside, you pretty much kind of know what inside is until you walk into the door. Then you'll see it, how the condition wise otherwise. You know, and you can kind of gauge, okay, how much remodeling work is, how long will it take, and how much it costs. That's based on the experience. So mm -hmm. you can see your numbers you make sense. a rough idea. Yeah, you just, and then, uh, like, what's helpful now, like, I walk into a place within, you know, once I walk within, like, 60 seconds, I have a, a number in my mind, like, how much it's going to yeah. cost to rehab it. Uh, so yep. that makes it helpful. So I don't have to sit down with a spreadsheet and write everything down. Like, okay, what about this? What about this? I don't have to do, you know, hours of research. Like, I just, I've done enough. Um and then it's just plus or minus, you know, there's some error range in there, but it's not, it's not too much. So yeah, um, that, that's helpful. Like knowing and being able to negotiate with the seller, because especially in today's market, it's really hot. So if you're not like acting quick or, you know, throw in offers quick, then if you wait a day or two, like it might be gone. That's very true. Yeah. Sellers, you know, when sellers, for example, why are, why are these sellers, you know, work deciding to work with you guys instead of traditional real estate agents to sell the home for top dollar or, you know, in a sense, some people say that. Mm -hmm. Like, why are they choosing to work with you? What's the difference um, buying it, having you buy it versus, you know, putting it on the market? Mm -hmm. um, so it's going to depend, you know, person by person. Uh, I think they just like the ease and convenience of a cash offer. Um, so I guess they could put it on the market and maybe get a little bit more. Um, but there's a lot of convenience to what we do. Um, there's also a lot of motivation. So they don't want to go through this long, drawn out process. Like they just want to be done with it. Um, and especially if they work with a realtor or a real estate agent, nothing against them, but it's like, it's like a middleman. It's like, they'll, they'll talk to the real estate agent who will get on the market, who then they'll show the house to people who may or may not want it. Most of them most likely will not want it. So they'll have like, you know, 10, 20 showings and whatever, three, four offers. And they don't want to go through that process. They want just the ease and convenience of a cash offer. And a lot of people don't know, like they can't list it and can't get top dollar. Uh, I think a lot of people think of real estate traditionally where like if the list, it has to be in good shape. And then you yep. get, you know, great price. And some of these places just aren't in great shape. You know, no offense to anyone, but they may have a hole in the roof or this is broken or that's broken and uh, windows are broken or it's trashed and, you know, they just don't go the traditional route. So I'd say 97%, 95% of real estate is traditional through a realtor, through a real estate agent, you know, traditional finance, you know, USDA, FHA, VA, whatever, conventional. And then the 5%, we're kind of the minority uh, where very small percentage of people just work through us and work work through cash buyers to to do deals. That makes sense too, because there there are still there's still a lot of homes, even today's age, there's still a lot of homes that haven't been maintained 40, 50, 60 years. Mm -hmm. And when you see it, you can tell. And yeah, that would be super hard to sell uh, mm -hmm. in the current condition. It would take a lot of work and time. And yeah, sellers, you know, ups there might be downsizing, mm -hmm. relocating. They just went out quick and that totally makes sense. And you're targeting finding those people who need the help. 
to get it sold. And mm-hmm. yeah, the traditional route won't work because you walk in the home. I seen some homes recently. It was so bad that your eyes would be burning going in because mm-hmm. it's been, mm-hmm. it's been mm-hmm. 60, 70 years. And even one, I talked to one agent before. Oh yeah, we've been cleaning this up, home up for the past four months. You haven't seen how many dumpster trucks we unloaded and it's still full. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and, and when we see it, like, and I'm, not, I'm not touching that. It's way too much work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fun, um, but I get it. And the cash buyer, like, okay, I can do this. I just need to empty this whole house out and mm-hmm. 20 dump trucks or more, and then start <laughs> doing it. But once you do it, you know the equity gain is substantial because you're mm-hmm. doing all the hard work to make it happen. Exactly. Yeah, you just gotta mind your numbers is the biggest thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a small sliver of like what we handle, but. Uh, for some reason, and there's a list of motivation why people would sell to us. There's like divorce or there's like foreclosure or tax delinquency or code violation or, like you know, any any number of things or it's vacant property. Um, so there's there's things going on where they just want to sell it. And they just want to be done with it, uh, which is, you know, which is fine. And then the other, I guess the other benefit is so, yes, it's a quick transaction. Like, yes, we can kind of close on their time frame, whether it's, you know, seven days, two weeks, a month, et cetera. Uh, the other thing is we like we pay their closing costs. So not a lot of people like when you sell a house, if you ask the average person, like how much are you going to be your closing costs if you sell this property for a hundred thousand? Like they're just not going to know. So that question mark is like a black box in their their head, where it's where I'm saying like, hey, I'm going to pay you a hundred thousand cash, and that's a net to you. That's like that's you. That's your pocket. Uh, so you know, it just makes it easier for them to think through it, and they just know like, oh, a hundred thousand closing cost. What is that? You know, how much am I going to get? Eighty thousand, ninety thousand. They just don't know. So just. Uh, clarity and offer um, is also why folks work with us. Nice. That makes total sense because what you're trying to do is like ease that men- mental energy. Like, okay, I, how much am I really getting? Like you just mentioned yeah. how much am I really getting? And you make, when you're making it super clear and they understand exactly what you're, they're getting and the numbers make sense to them, like, wow, I can just walk away. I don't need to think about anything. So the process is really, I don't need to think about anything. You're giving me X dollars for my property and I can walk away today. Mm-hmm. That makes sense yeah. to me. I'm done. Let's go. Right. Mm-hmm. That's nice. That's nice. That makes total sense. And you're targeting the right people who need that. And there's a small percentage, but there's still in that small percentage, a lot of homes, no matter where you live, there's yeah. in the area, you'll, you have to just find it. So jumping into that, how do you even find people who want to that cash buy offer and the process? Like, how do you find it? You still host like calling people to find out, mm-hmm. mailing them. So let's talk about that first thing first you said. So like even a small percentage, yeah. So there's in, in Gainesville, in my area, there's about 130,000 people. There's about, mm-hmm. I don't know, like 50,000, 60,000 homes. So even like 1% of that, like what is that, 500, 600 houses? Like I can't, yeah. that's that's a lot of houses. Like I, again, I'm barely doing 30. So mm-hmm. like there's a lot of houses and a lot of opportunities out there. So like you're just trying to get a percentage of what's out there. So that's, that's the first thing just to finish out that thought. Um, how to find deals. So since we've talked about that motivation, like it's possible just to buy a list. You can mm-hmm. buy a list of people going through a divorce, buy a list of people, you know, who have uh, tax delinquents, you know, tax lien on their house. So you can just buy that list. And then there's a different number of different ways to like market to that list. So you can like direct mail, like send out a piece of mail to them. You can do like cold calling. You can do like a text campaign. Like there's all these different avenues to it. Uh, we can talk about all those different avenues, but you just get a hold of them in some way. And that's when the process starts. So on top of, for example, on top of being a, a caller, uh, inside sales agent, for example, being a contract, a project manager to manage the whole contract. Now you're adding marketing to it too, a marketing yeah. team, for example, to find direct methods, um, to, 
to gain to get knowledge and to contact these people and to follow up and to, when they're ready to have a, have a meeting with you to discuss their property and put it for sale. So and in that sense, you have different avenues of people you need, or if you do it yourself, you have to juggle different hats to make it happen. There's di- there's different hats for sure, and as you do more volume and do more flips, they can start to hire that out. Uh, like right now, I have like a project manager, like she handles like the management, like the painters, the, the flooring people, and like the you know, kitchen installation. So she handles all that. So you can always hire someone to help you with the marketing, hire to help help you with the sales and that sort of thing. But yeah, especially when you're starting, you're, you are handling a lot of hats. Like you are doing a lot of different things. Um, so it helps to like know what you're good at and know what you're not good at. Yeah. And even jumping in, you just add another one. You're a manager on top of it too now because you're managing yeah. people and you're managing that aspect and you're um, when you're delegating, you got to be responsible for a delegation and that they actually do what they're saying they're going to do and help you mm-hmm. with. So checking in. So that's a part of it, but that's a skill set and that's a choice too. Like you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to be a flipper, you want to, or you want to work in corporate or, you know, a, a normal, normal job, right? Mm-hmm. Like for example, I don't want to think about anything. Okay. Just take the normal job route. I don't need to think about anything. I just do what I do every day. I get paid every day, take vacations every day, or you want to be an entrepreneur. You got to build a business. You got to do this, this right. and this to get, to get to that business, right? Make it successful. But, like you mentioned too, the scalability of it and to be able to jump and build that build that business can be mm-hmm. way more dramatic than a stable job that just goes like this over time, right? Yeah. No, so there's definitely trade-offs. Um, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth the plunge. It's not for everyone, but I think it is worth the plunge to get into. It is hard, but it is worth it at the end. You know, um, Again, I've been at this like three years and yeah, I, I don't plan to go back. And it's one of those things like you get the taste of it. And like, yeah, I don't think I'll go back. I don't think I can, <laughs> you know, if I had to. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I, I like that too, because yeah, like I I started real estate 14 years ago and I had a full-time tech job and I was doing tech, full-time tech and full-time real estate. It was a lot of work, but when you're young and you're hungry, it doesn't matter. You, you have the energy to do it. But over mm-hmm. time you realize, hey, this is for me. I like what I'm doing. It's a lot of fun. I'm helping a lot of people making really good investments. Um, for me, I do multi-units investments mostly in nice. in-state and out-of-state. And those are big, fun projects to work on. And you know, besides uh, fixing up houses, it, it can get a lot of fun. What's, um, so for example, when you're buying these properties, what's the worst one you guys ever bought? And like, you know, do you, do you accept homes in any condition? Uh, we pretty much do any condition. Um, it's it's all about the numbers. So, I mean, sometimes you buy a house and it's like, well, we got to tear this down. So maybe you just buy it for the lot land uh, land price. I, I guess I've never really done that, to be honest. But there's always a number we can give people at the end of the day. Uh, and that's I'd say that's another benefit of working with us. So, you know, instead of someone saying like, hey, I, I'm not interested and they walk away, like we, we at least give up people a number. So they just at least have a ballpark um, in their head. Um, so that's that's what I reckon. You know, that's that's my thoughts on that um you said for one more time can you ask your question um so for example i'll just talk about condition wise like are you you're buying are you buying homes in any condition like what's the worst one you ever did oh yeah so you, okay what's the worst deal i ever did um yeah so pretty much any condition i've seen all types of things i've done like cosmetic ones where it's like hey just clean it up and list it and it's easy and i've done ones in the middle where it's like paint and flooring and i've done terrible ones where it's like hey everything needs to be replaced everything's brand new because it's just yeah. it's such in bad shape um so probably the worst deal i've done um it actually wasn't that bad so that's you know it's, it's a positive tale for your for your you know listeners here so uh, I, I bought it for eighty seven thousand. uh i found this one for sale by owner it was uh like right when corona was starting and i, just, I saw this deal I'm like okay i think there's potential here so bought it at 87 
um, putting like 10 to 15 into it. And we listed it for 140 and we got under contract, which is great. Uh, everything went fine inspection, but the appraisal didn't appraise. So we had it again for 140, it appraised for like 109, uh, which yeah. is a huge difference. And obviously the buyer was buyer and buyer, you know, realtor was like, you still, you know, you should still do it. You know, we still really like the house. And it's like, well, no, we're losing money at that point. We're like, we're break even at best. Um, so, okay. So we fell out of contract. That was an FHA. And as I understand it, maybe, you know, it's better than me, but FHA sticks to the property, you know, six months, like the appraisal. Um, and this was most likely going to be an FHA deal. Uh, so okay. like, okay, yeah. sure. That sucks. So we ended up yeah. renting it out and renting it out, got 300, 400 bucks a month cash flow. Nice. Um, and then the tenant eventually moved out. So we resold it. Um, we ended up breaking even on that one. Cause we had to refinance it out. Um, mm-hmm. cause it was a long period of time and there's a lot of fees with refinancing. Um, that hit us and hit us hard. Um, so we ended up breaking even. Uh, but again, we just, you know, worst case was we just broke even for a bit, which isn't bad at all. I'm not, you know, not too upset about that. Um, yeah. And that's that's pretty much it. So, you know, there there we are. And that's the deal. And uh, so just to show, like, I mean, worst case, especially like if, if the flip is mangled, if your numbers are right, you can always rent it out or Airbnb it, or you, you have a couple like other uh, exit opportunities. Yeah. And that definitely, there's a lot of options in real estate. It's really just becoming like being, getting rid of any fear or doubt, self doubt, and really just mm-hmm. building the structure, the team, the mental energy, and just doing it. And even if, yeah, like you mentioned, even if that one runs into issues, and there's a, there always could be a chance of appraisal issues. Maybe that, for example, appraisers out of area, out of out of whatever, you know, just not the right timing, and they can give you some bad numbers. I've seen some horrible numbers, like this guy doesn't know what he's doing at all. Like I don't even know how he got his license. It doesn't make sense, and you run into the issue, but mm-hmm. what do you do to overcome it? How do you figure it out? What's the other ways you can uh, bypass that in the time period that you need, such as running it out for now, waiting six months if it's an FHA deal, Airbnb it, you know, finding another buyer and putting, taking it off market for a little bit. Got to find a solution or fixing it up more so it doesn't have to be FHA, you know, for example. Yeah. That's, that's pretty like, much it. That's pretty much it. You have different options. Um yeah, that, there's different options on that. But yeah, we just ended up renting it out and selling it. So you just realize like there's always options. Like even if things go wrong, there's always options moving forward. Nice. What do you think right now? Like, you know, 2021 is basically over. Um, yeah. You still got a month left. But like, what do you think is going to happen in 2022? Like, what do you guys plan to do for next year? And how do you see the housing market going? Um, so obviously the market's been really hot. Um, so I think it's even like a pause that's cooling down, um, mm-hmm. where it's not just so crazy hectic all the time. It's like, it's great to catch your breath and that sort of thing. So, uh, with what I'm seeing, I think it's just going to continue to cool down. I don't think it's going to be a crash. I think it's just going to be a cool down. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it. I think we're probably going to have an interest rate hike or two and in 2022, probably mid to late, uh, 2022, and that's that's kind of where we're at. Um, so we'll just see. And you know, real estate specifically is very like interest rates, you know, sensitive. So if rates go from whatever three percent now to you know four percent, um, that affects people. And that affects prices. Uh, I've I've heard it and I've seen it over and over. Like people don't buy a house, they buy a mortgage. Uh, so they say like, oh, I can afford a thousand a month, great. And then they put it together. Like, oh, I can afford you know x amount per month, good. I'll buy this house. Versus like, oh, that's two hundred thousand or three hundred thousand. They think about the monthly payment. Um, so I think that's that's probably what we're going to do, what we're going to see. So my goal for 2022 is just to do 30 flips again um, instead of last year and this year was a lot of partner deals. I did maybe five to 10 on my own, but I want to start just doing 100% of my own. Um, so instead of, because I talked about that money partner out and that's why I've been able to grow so fast. I didn't have a million dollars cash in the bank 
Um, to start out with, you know, three years ago, I had a lot of debt actually to pay off. Um, so I've been paying that off and starting to slowly do my own deal. So that's really the, the transition for me next year. Like, you know, I don't want to, you know, push it, especially with all these shortages, labor, material, uh, inventory shortages too. I don't want to kind of like st- step it up a notch in terms of getting more deals. I just want to keep it where it's at and start to do more of my own. That'd be, that'll be a lot of fun. That's a good challenge too, to go from, for example, to go from 25, 50 to 100% of your own deals mm-hmm. to have your crew fully be there and then have the financials to support it. And then even from there, you're going to gain that much more equity yourself now that you're self doing yeah. your projects. And even then, let's say, for example, 50%. If you did 50% less work and you've got 100% of the deals now that you have the really good rhythm flow with team, you made the same money. But now if you doubled that to 30 deals yourself, then you just doubled your money, right? And yes. now you're true you could see too okay you already knew it was a financial thing it's not not a vendor team issue so Mm -hmm. if your team can manage 30 deals a year and you have the crew to do it and yourself doing it now you're getting rid of anything as well liability risk involvement with other people decision making um you know structures other structures that you need to set in place you're just handling it all yourself so basically you're 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 your own mini development company if you think about it right like at a Mm -hmm. small scale you're building homes not like like Lennar, you know, other companies, right? But you're building it up right now and you're taking resale homes to build it. No, that's but, pretty much it. So we're just, you know, just doing more of my own. And you you nailed it on the head. So if I, even if I do 15 next year and it's all my own, well, then that's yeah. the same. I'm making the same amount. So um, that's that's kind of nice. So, you know, doing less and making more or do, make, doing less and making the same is always a good thing. Um, so that's, I mean, that's the plan and we'll see as things go into 2022. I think the other thing, I just want to be really flexible, nimble. Like I want to be caught off my feet and something's like, oh, well, shoot the things, you know, things change and the markets change and plans change. And now I'm, now I'm dead in the water. Um, so just be a little more conservative. Yeah. Running more conservative numbers based on the fact that, Hey, we think interest rates will go up next year. So my numbers Mm -hmm. might be a little more conservative based on pricing and qualifications for your market and how it makes sense for the demand in your market. Right now, we're all lucky in a sense that there's limited supply, there's a lot of demand, yeah. there's material shortages, and if you can build a beautiful home during a time period, people wanna buy it, people wanna pay, they want a nice beautiful backyard, they wanna relax, they want it done, they don't wanna do all the work themselves either, and they know mm-hmm. contractors are a shortage anyways, and if you already have them, it makes it so much easier for you. Exactly, no, yeah, I agree 100%. What do you think in the last three years was like kind of like the driving force to get you to this level? Like what pushed you to get here so quickly? Because it's not easy to do that many homes. Um, hmm. oh, what pushed me? Um, so at first, like the big motivation was like, hey, I got to make money. I want to, you know, I want to do this full time and I want to pay off debt because I had a lot of debt. Uh, so that was the driving force at the beginning. It's like, hey, I need, a, you know, I need to make money. And I also like I enjoyed it. So I wanted to do deals and I wanted to do deals and I still do want to do deals. Um, yeah, so just a driving force monetary. Now I'm in a better position where I don't have to like. I'm in just a much better financial position, which is which is great. I'm very happy about that. Um, so I really don't know. I just uh, was really ambitious, and you know I like doing it. And someone would bring me a deal, I'm like hell yeah, let's do it. And I'd figure out the rest later and figure out the details later. And um, yeah, it's worked out so far. That's good because it takes a lot of energy to have self-motivation, right? Like, for example, I think you know Elon Musk said, if you're not self-motivated, you, you don't belong in a business, right? Because you got to mm-hmm. be self-motivated to really grow something, to really build. It takes a lot of mental energy and mental strength to handle everything you're doing, especially even at that volume, even if you're only doing one at a time. It still takes a lot of mental energy to do mm-hmm. that. And imagine you tie that into COVID, tie that into family, tie that into other personal obligations, tie that into financial obligations. 
-hmm. It's a lot to juggle at the same time. And to be able to do it successfully, you got to have the right mindset, the focus, and the strength to go overcome anything. And to do that, then you really come out on top because people who are doing it now, especially, are coming out on top way faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, so I'm seeing that too. So, I mean, it's again, as mentioned, like you got to be self motivated, self disciplined. And if it's not, if you're not there, that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with a corporate job. I know a lot of people say, like, oh, you know, nine to five is a scam. I don't really agree with that. Um, it's just, you know, it's not fit for everyone. Um, and there's a real push like every day today, like everyone has to be an entrepreneur. And I don't think that's true. You know, it's just, it's a small subsection of, of the, of community and people who, who make sense to do it. And for other people, it doesn't make sense and that's okay. Yeah. And, and you know, for those out there, it can always be a side hustle first and really start learning to do it and feel comfortable. Do you like it? Learn about it. You definitely need mentors. You definitely need coaches. They help you accelerate it. It's worth paying for really good coaches, not the fake gurus, but the real good coaches who are, you know, hands-on, want to help you, show you how to do it. You're paying for them. But if you're getting that experience, you're accelerating your time so much faster and you're able to become more successful, especially if you like it, then you can do it faster. And it's worth the payment to make it happen because you yeah. know after that you can go and run and do it. You know, six months, a year, two years, five years, it's fine it, if it makes sense for you and who you're working mm -hmm. with. But you can see who's really helpful, who's not, and who has experience. Yeah, I, I, that's I guess the other thing that it should like because I had mentors. Like I mentioned with the wholesaling, like I had the the mentor to help with the wholesaling, and then you know had other mentors after that. So I mean that's that's really helped too. So I, I don't know if I would have gotten, you know, figured out wholesaling because there's a lot to it. There's a lot of nuances to all these different, you know, niches. Yeah, I think it's really hard. Even if you were to say, hey, I'll take the free route. I'll look at YouTube and I'll Google everything. There's so many things you don't know. And even on YouTube videos, they don't explain every single detail thing you need to know. They'll show you the high level, give you some good tips, but you have to put it back together. Mm -hmm. Putting it back together takes a lot of time and you're missing things that you don't even know that people can't explain to you, right? That easily. Mm-hmm. And then seeing those contracts, seeing the deal, seeing the numbers, seeing this, you got to be good at multiple factors and knowing the neighborhood. It's not easy to put everything back together. There's a lot. There's a lot to it. There is a lot to it. And yeah, a YouTube video, a 10 minute YouTube video isn't going to explain all there is to it. Yeah, I even try to explain when I, when I coach agents, I'm like, you know, everything I want to coach you will take you more than six months to a year, even if I do it full time and coach you. But honestly we don't have the resources to do that here's some things you got to learn but i'll try to accelerate it and still double quadruple your business but mm -hmm. you got to go through the pain too you can't just expect it to be handed to you nothing gets yes. handed to you yes you know? yeah you'll you'll steepen the learning curve but you still got to go through the learning curve yeah like if yeah. if you were to 100 percent guarantee like you you know uh, snap your fingers and make it happen for them like your your rates and your pricing for mentorship would be like 20x yeah, or be like um, Tony Robbins, right? Like, what, 400, half a million, a million? I don't know. <laughs> it could be way up there because he's, like, one of the best, right? Yeah, exactly. So, one day. I was looking online, too, um, you know, reading your profile, too. Like, you've been traveling to – you traveled to over 38 countries? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was, you know, mostly more, like, pre-corona and holy, okay. you know, slowly getting into it. But, yeah, about 38 countries have so been, like, South America and, like, Asia and Europe and – I still need to do, I did a little bit of Africa. I want to do more of Africa. I do more of like Australia just to hit all the continents and then Antarctica as well. But yeah, just travel a lot. And um, yeah, what's really cool about like the flipping is sometimes there's a lot to do. Sometimes there's not a lot to do. And sometimes there's like little breaks you can take and just, you know, head out and you won't be missing anything. Uh, so that's really been cool. So it's been interesting because I know a lot of people's like kind of lifestyle goals, like, hey, I want to travel or hey, I want to see the world. So getting it out of the way early is just, like definitely an interesting, interesting thing because it's no longer like, oh, I want to go do this thing. It's like, oh, I've 
kind of already done it and I want to do, I still want to do some more, but just kind of changes how you look at life. Nice. I think one thing too, is like when you learn all about all the different cultures, everything you can see, like the architecture is really, you know, interesting how the people build houses differently across the world and how their styles are and how the process is. And it's kind of fun because if you can incorporate different styles into a certain style of your property that makes sense for it, then Mm -hmm. that can be a lot of fun too, because you're bringing in different things. Like some people, oh, I'm going to bring in all these materials from another country to put it into this specific house to make it define it and that's interesting that's hard but that can be a lot of fun too mm-hmm. no that's really cool that's uh, probably higher end stuff uh from then what mm-hmm. i'm used to obviously i'm yeah. here for us so it's a smaller city our houses are like a hundred thousand two hundred thousand three hundred thousand but mm-hmm. I, I mean i guess you could do that for like half a million a million dollar houses but uh yeah. there's less demand out here for it than versus like california for you yeah california here is crazy i think like a sometimes a shitty house in san francisco can be like 1.2 to 1.5 million that's and crazy. then you got to start, you know, spending three, 400,000 just to remodel it to what you want. To do. <laughs> that's just to get it. Yeah. That's just to get it. Then you got to still do something with it. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah. that's what it is over there. So yeah. So then, I, I even yeah. saw recently like um, a 800 square foot corner house in like the sunset area. sold for like 1.8 million. I'm like 800 square foot for 1.8 million. That does not make sense yeah. at all. But yeah. someone, over, someone overpaid for that. You know, <laughs> yeah, or maybe they didn't. Maybe you know, five years they'll be a genius. I'm like, oh, my God. you know, only yeah. one million that's that's a steal. I'd pay five million for it, you know, yeah, one day, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to wait and see if that happens, exactly. So, you know, as part of like becoming successful in home flipping, are you doing coaching and mentoring programs, or how do you teach? Are you teaching people about this? Uh, I do, yeah. So, I, I uh, do flips full time, but I also mentor people. What's really good about real estate is like it's really local. It's so like me doing flips here in Gainesville, like I can teach someone to do flips in Alaska or Hawaii or Texas, and it's not going to compete with me directly. Uh, like someone flipping a home in Texas doesn't affect me here in Gainesville. Um, so yeah, I, I mentor people nationwide and it's been, it's been a great success and, you know, brought a lot of people to the finish line, uh, six figure house flippers is, is like the name of the program. And like, how do I help people get to the first deal and get to the, you know, get to six figures and cutting down on that learning curve, just like we we're talking about, like, how do you get the money? How do you get the deals? How do you work with contractors? How do you manage it all? Uh, how do you put it all together? And then how do you, you know, take all those steps and you know, turn it into exiting your job? Um, yeah. That's a fun way to like going from a person who's doing it and building the business to going to coaching and showing people how to do it. But thinking mm-hmm. about that at scale, for example, let's say this you flip 20 homes a year, but if you were able to teach a thousand, thousand people to flip one home, you technically just help them flip a thousand homes, right? right. And yeah. you know, you're getting compensated for that as well because you're sharing your experience of how you do it consistently to how they could do it in their local area and the process and then guiding them through that process. That can be a fun thing too, because now you're taking what you do at scale, right? Even mm-hmm. further. Yeah. Well, it helps you like, but... Yeah. It helps you like think through and reflect like what works and what doesn't work. And then I can use it to improve my own flipping or maybe a student, you know, in Texas tries something out on their own and like, Hey, this didn't work. And like, okay, well I won't make, I'll make sure not to do it over here, um, which yeah. sometimes happens, but you know, just, it's just interesting to learn through that, through that entire thing. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's been fun for, so far. Yeah, I think it is a fun process and you really, yeah, you get to understand them, their market, their process and how you can do it. And definitely you learn a lot from your students as well and they Mm -hmm. learn a lot from you. So it's fun and it becomes its own community itself too. And as you, 
even if you connect the students together in different areas, you know, it becomes mm-hmm. even more of a community and they share their experiences in a platform where they can collaborate on, hey, best practices, things like that work. Um, how's the market in your area? I want to join mm-hmm. in JV, a partner deal with you in your area because yeah. I used to live there, for example, then you're building a stronger network of um, flippers. And that's happened a ton. I've partnered a lot with students, probably like with five, five to 10 at least. So which has been good. So it kind of opens up doors for me. Nice. And how do people like, you know, how do people join your mentor program and how do they, um, you know, work with you? Uh, the best place to reach out is reach out to me on Facebook. Um, just Victor Yurichek, you'll find me pretty easily. I also have the free Facebook group, Six Figure House Flipper. So if folks want to join, I have a lot of great, you know, free stuff and free resources if folks want to join there. And then, um, yeah, they can join there and like reach out to me if they want to, or if they just want to learn for free, that's fine too. Nice. And what's one of the, um, let's say this, take an example. Like what's one of the best students, how many houses did they flip and how long did it take them? And you know, how are they doing? Mm -hmm. Sure. So I've been mentoring for uh, probably about a year, about a year, a little over a year, a year now. Um, So probably the best student. uh, So she's out out of New York. She flips in New Jersey. Like her first flip, she actually beat my record. So her first flip, she made like 80, 90,000 net profit, which is great. Uh, nice. So that was a great deal. And then she's doing maybe like one a month, one every two months. And there's like, you know, 30, 60, 40, uh, which are good deals. So she's at multiple six figures, which is great. And it's her first year. Um, she, interestingly enough, she actually wanted to get into wholesaling first. And I luckily talked her out of it. And so she went into flipping and she hasn't looked back, you know, because wholesaling, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's a lot more hustle for a lot less money. Uh, but if you do it right with flipping, like you can put less into it and make more. So she's, you know, she's been doing really well. She's really happy and multiple six figures in your first year is, is uh, awesome. That's, yeah. That's quite a bit too. And I'm sure after they think about it, like, wow, I took a leap of faith. I took coaching and then it worked. And then, mm-hmm. wow, you're making six digits plus and you're doing, you're finding to do something that you like. And then to see those checks come in every single month mm-hmm. for her is, you know, quite substantial. Exactly. Feel, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, she's, she's in the thick of it. So, um, no, so she's, you know, she's happy and I'm sure if you asked her today, like, Hey, would you do it again? To probably be yes. Especially when you know what's, you know, if looking back, it's easy, but, um, sometimes it just, you just got to make that like leap of faith, you know, based on, you know, fear might hold you back, but like, what else do you have to lose? Yeah. And that's a risk factor, even for me too. Like, okay, I look at coaching programs, I coach and I look at coaching programs too. I'm like, okay, will this work for me? Maybe, maybe not. And basically when you think about it, I'm paying for their, their experience. I'm paying for their knowledge upfront. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm reducing my timeline. I'm gaining things that I would not have seen. I can do it myself, but I'm going to know I'm going to spend double the time, triple the time and figure it out. But why bother if the cost is makes sense? I can build in the cost. It's, like, it's an investment. It's not an expense and it makes sense. And this is the right person and it has backing by a lot of good testimonials or personal referrals saying like, hey, Victor's really great. He teaches you how to fix and flip houses and he has a background experience. He, he didn't do one house and says, I know how to fix and flip houses now, right? He did 20, 30, 50 homes already. Then you can say, okay, well, let me, get, let me gain some of that experience from him and speed up my process, right? Exactly, exactly. So there's, you know, how much does it cost, but like how much do you miss out on? So if this, I asked this person, like, how much would she have missed out on, you know, a couple hundred thousand, that's just in the first year, she has next year, next year, next year, like, so how much is she really missing out on? Um, you know, and that's harder to quantify, like, what you could have been where you could have been and where you are. Yeah. And that's just a mental thing, you know, for a lot of people out there, I'm sure there's a lot of people in different, all different spectrums. Some people say, I'll take every single coaching course and they don't do anything. So that's just the waste too, right? And there's people who, well, I don't want to pay for any coaching. I'll do it myself for free, but then they'd never get anywhere either. Yeah. 
and there's a middle there's a middle line too cool yeah, um any last thoughts before we wrap up the show i think we i think we covered it really in, in depth and appreciate you having me on here and kind of sharing some of my thoughts yeah i'm so glad to have you on victor and thanks for sharing you know how to be successful in you know flipping homes and just sharing your story and like really understanding okay there's and, and people can do it just really the mindset mm -hmm. to get there and the following and having the right mentorship to get there so i really appreciate you sharing that and i look forward to talking to you soon um hopefully upcoming we're gonna have upcoming events too and we'll talk more about you know all these different processes but yeah what's your so your goal for next year wrapping up the show your goal for next year is to hit 30 homes yeah so 30 homes okay so yeah look forward to checking in on you next, for next year and seeing you mm -hmm. you know try to try to do 30 plus homes independently you know and focus on it and just go one by one and get it done cool no i appreciate it yeah, yeah. absolutely we'll have to keep in touch yeah okay guys i will talk to you guys soon check out the podcast the truth about real estate on youtube and more and we'll see you guys in the next one have a great day